the top 10 keys of a great coach. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hello, Rory. Paul, it is great to be here. Thanks a million, my friend. I'm excited to be here and excited to talk about coaching again. I am so glad you're here. Um, You're going to talk about a top 10 list, right? Absolutely. The top 10 keys of being a great coach. That's exciting. First, this is the question. Mm -hmm. I've asked you this in as many ways as I can think of, but the answer is really important. Right. Why coaching? Why is coaching so important? And why are are you so um, excited for people to learn this skill? I just get so much enjoyment out of it. I'll just give you an example. Right before this session, I was actually coaching a a CFO. She's brand new to the job. She's relatively young. Uh, She's got a number of staff in her organization that are older than her, have got, actually some of them got more experience than she is old. Okay. Okay. So they've been there like 30 years and she's just barely 30. And she has tremendous concern over how she can be accepted by this group. And I said, I said, when's your first team meeting? And she says, I've actually got a first team meeting tomorrow. I said, what's your game plan? She goes, well, that's what I want to talk about. I said, great. And I said, okay, let me ask, let me give you two scenarios. You walk in there, you tell them you're a CPA, you've got all this knowledge, you've got all this experience. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined the punchline already. Oh, I know already. where this is going. <laughs> or you walk in and say, hey. Um, how can we make this a better organization? And I said, of those two approaches, which do you feel most comfortable with? And she says, option number two. I said, great, then let's work on that. And then we worked on a number of questions that she could use in order to have that discussion. And then I said, on a scale of one to 10, how confident do you feel now? And she says, I'm a 10. Mm-hmm. I wa- I'm gonna walk in there and feel very confident. And I love doing that for folks. I love giving them that sense of confidence, the sense of control, that sense of I can I can manage this. And I know she's going to do great because the biggest concern she had is how do I manage people who are much older than I am? How do I manage people who have much more experience? Even though she's got a great resume, you know, she's she's got much greater credentials than they do mm-hmm. at a much younger age. But they're still, let's face it, somebody who's 55 looking at a 30-year-old, they're going to say, hey, what do you know? And here here's the magic of it, folks. Mm-hmm. You ask her those two questions with a clear answer, and she came up with that answer Mm -hmm. the thought bubble was in front of her head so she Mm -hmm. learned that right that's it folks that's the that's the key there to really get your people to to see what they need to be doing and what what motivates them right and that was pretty much a rhetorical question i mean that wasn't absolutely it wasn't a great it wasn't a great coaching question let's don't give me credit for that i'm just saying you you it is it is the skill though because Mm -hmm. you could have said don't go in there and try to (laughs) Tell them how qualified you are. Right. Of these two choices, which do you feel most comfortable with? Right. And I knew which one she was going to pick. And then I said, okay, from that, what questions you want to do? How do you want to lead the team meetings? How do you want to get people engaged? And so she had a little, you know, little icebreaker designed. And and I said, that's great. And then she goes, I'm going to ask these questions. And I gave her some tips on facilitation. And we actually should probably talk about that sometime. That's a whole different topic. That'd be good. now you you mentioned old people, and so for all, for all the young age, people, all right. the young people that older. are listening, <laughs> right? There used to be a guy on television named David Letterman, <laughs> and he would do a top ten list every mm-hmm. every night. Mm-hmm. There, kids, there used to be a thing called television. People used to watch. <laughs> yeah, right. Now they watch. It's kind of like a bigger that. phone that you would park <laughs> in your a, house. It's a really big phone, <laughs> right? And he would do top ten lists, and uh, they were hilarious, but. 
this is just the top 10 list for coaching. Absolutely, the top 10 list for coaching. And so these are the keys that I think in order for you to be as successful as a coach uh, to do these now, things. Do you want to do any of the Letterman shtick or anything? I, I, wished, I, I wished I could, but I'm not as funny as David Letterman. Okay. He's just brilliant. <laughs> so we're just going to start out and do number 10. How does okay. that sound? Sounds good. Uh, you know, a great coach is self-aware. And I just think this is the important key is what's your style? What's your approach? Um, if you're more of a reserved individual, then be that. If you're more of an outgoing, vivacious person, be that. But the, the key to self-awareness is it's not about you. It's about how do you help that individual get to their level of performance. And that's the, the effective key is your self-awareness is a journey into yourself. And so that you will understand how you can help that person, that team member over the coming weeks. And let me throw this in. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tools or ways that people can be self-aware that if they contact you, they could do that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'd be happy to help them be I'm, more self-aware. Well, on one of the former podcasts, you said you would give people who contacted you mm-hmm. the free tool. Right. The free uh, feedback survey. Tool. Right. And and that's a great way to do that. We can give mm-hmm. them that feedback tool to say, you know, how are you, how self-aware are you? Mm-hmm. How are you? How do you rate yourself compared to the national average of all the coaches we've done this survey with? And how do your people uh, measure you? And that would be a great way to to, uh, to create self awareness. So I got to give you a, a, a kudos, yeah. my friend, for for thinking of that and putting. And that, I was actually and listening it. last time. <laughs> <laughs> you were, and you put this plug in there. So I yeah. think that's that's a great one. Um, the other thing is a great coach is number nine. Should we number go to number nine? nine? Oh, I'll do number nine. There we go. Number nine. A great coach is specific and well defined feedback. And I think this is the important key with, you know, what do you want them to work on? And you want to work work on it in a way that you give them feedback that they feel better about themselves. You know, uh, I didn't say to her, "Well, don't go in there and and not be confident." I asked, "Yeah, how how can you improve your confidence level when you take over that meeting? How do you want to stand in front of the room? How do you want them to perceive you? How do you want to be heard?" I think those are all, and those are great feedback questions because, you know, she's brand new. This is the first time she's going to have a real full-blown 90-minute team meeting. How can she do that? And I just think that's that's an important key for her. And I could, the thing that I loved is when she when she was finished with our, our coaching session, she was excited. She yeah. was like, I'm ready to go, you know. Let's let's go through the doors, coach. Boom. Let's get let's get on the field and get after it. And I I love that. And so number eight, very good. Number eight. Uh, obviously, a great coach prepares for their session with information, examples, ideas, and ready for discussion. And I think this is so important that you be prepared because uh, I hate to admit this, but I've actually had people who've given me some feedback and say, "Hey, you weren't too prepared." And to be honest with you, I wasn't. And I'm incredibly embarrassed to 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 state that out loud, but I'm doing that because it's kind of my way of beating myself up to make sure I'm prepared mm-hmm. whenever I work with clients in the future. But a lack of preparation, guess what? They know it when you're not prepared. They know when you're not ready. Mm-hmm. They know when you're um, not really focused on them. You've got some other tasks that you try to get done or one more thing you try to get done before the event. You know, focus on them. That's the key. So you've got to be prepared ahead of time. Number seven. Very good. A uh, number seven, a, a coach treats individuals as team members in the organization and encourages their input, trusting them to carry out the assignments. And I think that is such an important key is that really in coaching, it 
it, it minimizes that superior employee relationship. You're truly partners on this. Yeah. Um, because I really always thought a boss or a manager wanted you to get something done. But a coach wants to help get you done. Yeah. And I think that's the distinction. And when you know that somebody wants to help you improve, help you get better, help you get uh, to a new level, I just think that's such a, a great key. So I think that's the key to being a great coach is they're team members, they're partners, but they know that you want to um, that you want to help them improve. I was. And how do you get how do you get into that mindset um, out of thinking that oh I'm the manager or the boss and I have to do everything? How do you get out of that mindset to think? Oh, I just do this and they do this and I have to facilitate it. Right. And that's when you're task focused. But, you know, a responsibility of a great coach is twofold, to get the job done and develop your people. Mm -hmm. And coaching allows you to do both of those effectively with time constraints and challenges that we have in the world today. Organizations trying to get more done with fewer people, fewer resources, time pressures, all the things we have to do. But you truly have in that mindset of how do we together make this individual grow? How do we make together make this person become a better team player. Mm-hmm. And and when you have that mindset, then you're transforming from just focusing on, on the task. You certainly get the task done, but I think you get the task done more effectively because the 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 employee, the team member knows you're focused on them and not just the task. Right. The task has to be done. They recognize that. But how do we get you to the point where you're more confident, you're more self-assured? It's just like the example I used earlier with the CFO. You know, did we want to have a great team meeting and do I want that task to be done? That was her on to do list. Absolutely. We want to get that task done, but really want to develop her. So she has a level of confidence that when she walks in that room, she commands the room. And I think that's more important of her confidence, her command of the room than just carrying out a team meeting. And that distinction is, yeah. is important. She could carry out a team meeting, right. but would she have the confidence level that she wants? And can I give her that confidence that she feels stronger about herself? So I think that's the, that's the that's important the distinction. Key. Okay. Number six. Number six. A coach knows about the strengths and weaknesses of their team members. And I think this is very, very important. The Gallup organization has done lots of this. Um, You know, First Break All the Rules is a great book by Marcus Buckingham on that. Strength Finders are great tools on this. There's just a whole host of great tools on finding out the strengths and weaknesses. But the key is, and the key is putting people in a position where they win and then if they have weaknesses, then putting someone in a, in a situation that minimizes that. Um, you want to, you know, that that yin and that yang of that approach. And I think managers who know that. One of the stories that we had in my best boss book was a training manager. And uh, the brand new training manager, she came in, she talked to the employees, and she talked to the trainers. And she part, they had never done this before. They'd always been completely siloed individuals. And they worked as teams. And she recognized that she had one one person really great at front of the room, awful at workbooks. Mm. But she had one person who, guess what? She wasn't very good at the front of the room, but man, she just put together brilliant workbooks. So what she decided to do was team them up and say, how do you feel about having him doing the presentations almost exclusively and you doing the workbooks? And she goes, I love that because I didn't want to do, I hate yeah. being in front of the room. That's why I'm not very good at it. I'm always, I'm always, at the end of the day, I just feel worn out. Whereas he felt energized and knowing the strengths and weaknesses of those, those two people, they, that organization, one plus one there was more than two. That synergy 
putting two people together that have different strengths and they complement each other, they're able to produce more than what those people are able to do individually. And so one plus one equals three rather than just a two. And where that's so effective is that knowing the strengths and weaknesses and then focusing on the strengths as opposed to, oh, you're weak at this, so you need to do this more. Right. That's a big mistake a lot of <laughs> coaches do. Am I right? You're not going to fix a weakness. Right. Newsflash to everybody out here. But you've seen it, haven't you? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Oh, you don't know this, so we're gonna, get more we're gonna, training on We're going to send you to training on this. Yes. And there's a difference between a lack of knowledge and a lack of a skill set. And as a manager, you need to recognize that difference. Yes. Now, there are some people who have the skills to do this, but maybe not the knowledge, and going to a training session would help them. But there are you're, you're not, let's face it, I am an incredibly unorganized individual. You can send me to all the training classes in the world and say, be more organized, and it's not going to help flip, mm -hmm. okay? That's just not my strength. So I have people that, guess what, keep me focused on that. Absolutely. What do I need to do here? I have the tools. I've got, you know, I've got Outlook. I've got my email. I've got all of those things that keep things in order. Thank God, because I, I don't do that well. Mm -hmm. I, I don't do that well. But what I do well is I love coaching. I love helping people excel. I love helping them grow. And to do this um, in both this format and face-to-face -face is just a great way to help people grow. So I just love that. Let me throw one other thing out because mm -hmm. I'm just intrigued by this is mm -hmm. that the item is a good coach knows strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. How about those times when it actually is a strength, but the person thinks it's a weakness? Mm. I've had those situations as, right. a, as a leader before. Ex expand upon that then. Well, if someone thinks, well, I'm really not that um, good at giving presentations. Mm -hmm. And in truth, they're sincere, they're authentic, they're prepared. They're, they're pretty good. Right. So... Just because your lack of confidence in something doesn't mean that you're that's a weakness, right? And so you have to build that confidence out and give them that. I'm answering my own question, but I want to hear from you. On, on no, no, kind no, of what you're absolutely thinking. right. That's absolutely that's a great example of that because you see people who that's a great example. You see people who are it's not a lack of skill; it's a lack of confidence, right? And what we want to do is. You don't want to get tasks done. You want to get people done. So how do we get this person to the point where, wow, I am good at I am good at giving presentations. I can persuade people. I can get people to think right. my way. I can get people to see the world in my perspective. Mm -hmm. Those are incredibly powerful tools, and I highly encourage managers to improve those skill sets. I mean, I people who come to me and say, I want to be a speaker. I say the first thing is go out and do Toastmasters, and then if you can win your team and then yeah. at the next level uh, which i think is districts if you mm -hmm. can win you can win there at districts and then get to regionals oh yeah then you can be a professional speaker yeah in my opinion that's that that's the the level you got to be able to beat people at those perspectives so i said if you want to know right away can you make a living as a speaker that's the way to do it and and it's a great way to uh, to address that and they might think it's a weakness, but with practice and skill and a desire, you can be pretty good at it. And being a good, good coach, you know that. You know the difference with them. So, okay. Absolutely. All right, number five. Number five, you make expectations clear. And I think this yes. is a, a critical factor of how do we make expectations clear. And I was working with a client last week, and um, we, weren't, we weren't quite on the same hymnal, same page. Hmm. And so he called me up and said, eh, I've got a little problem here. And he outlined some things. And and there's no question. I had made some mistakes. I didn't do things as properly as I should have. He gave me some feedback. Trust me, it wasn't pleasant. 
But I really, yeah. But I really went back and I absorbed it. And then what I did is I said, okay, I want to give this a couple of days. I'm going to write my thoughts down. I'm going to send those to you to make sure that you are heard. And I clearly understand the direction you want to go with this. Because I consider myself a painter. If you want to paint the walls blue, we'll paint, we'll coach it blue. Okay. If you want to coach it green, we'll coach it green. Yeah. If you want to coach it pink, we'll coach it pink. I don't care. Tell me your your method, your model that you're doing. And I was doing a, a different approach, and he really wanted to go a different way. And it really wasn't a mistake on my my behalf. It was really my approach over what he preferred. And not that he was wrong. It was just that I wasn't doing it the way he preferred to do it. Mm-hmm. And so he gave me that feedback on it. And I said, okay, let me go back. Let me collect my thoughts. I then sent the email to him. And he said, this is exactly what I was looking for. Do this, and we're going to be right on track. And so that's a great way to, com- to finish that communication loop. He gave me the feedback. He went from player A to player B. I'm player B in this example. Mm-hmm. Player B absorbs what he's saying. I sent back an em- a memo to him saying, these are the things we're going to do. And guess what? We closed the communication loop. And that's yeah. what you want to do with employees. That's why when Absolutely. you ask the question, when you ask the question, what are my expectations of you? You're allowing them to close that communication gap. You're allowing them to say, do you clearly understand what I'm looking for with my expectations here? And that's why it's so important. And number five is to make sure that you clearly express those those expectations. And those are some great ways to do that. Uh, number four. Number four, a great coach seeks out ideas and makes those uh, folks that are part of their team part of the solution. And I think this is absolutely critical. And this, this is a great example of what we are talking about earlier with the CFO. She goes, how can I get the folks more engaged? How can I get them more involved? How can we have a better team spirit? Ask them their opinion. Ask them their perspective. Don't walk in there with your guns ablazing and yeah. say, I'm a, I'm a CPA and I've got all this experience <laughs> and I've done all this auditing and I can tell you what, these are the things we need to clean up around here. Not going to work. No. Because uh, the thing is, if you ask those folks, what are the things we need to fix around here? Guess what? They're going to tell you probably what you're going to say, but it's their idea. That's right. And that's where you get the engagement. I think that's such uh, an important key. And a related one, number three. Number three, a great coach listens to others and tries to understand their point of view. And that is so critical to your success is to truly understand their point of view. And I wanna sh- I'm going to kind of shift here for a second because I just think this is a, a great point. And I want to shift this for a second. Uh, you know, I rarely promote other people's podcasts, but Tony Robbins has a podcast. I think it's the number one decision you'll ever make if I'm yeah. correct on that. And it's just an absolutely terrific podcast. But then talking about people's point of view, and I want you to, as listeners to listen to that podcast from two perspectives. One is um, the, the various points of views that had happened. Uh, he tells a story that he was doing a conference in Hawaii. And of course, everybody's got to fly all over the mainland to get over there. And they're way over there and all that kind of stuff. And they're in Hawaii and they're doing the conference. And 9-11 happens. And now you, and he has people from all over the world. So he's got, he's literally got 360 degrees of, of people. He's got people who are Israelis. He's got Palestinians. He's got Americans. He's got Australians. He's got all of these people there. And, 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 and at three o'clock in the morning, uh, Hawaii time, oh, yeah. the towers yeah. fall. And now he's he's got a coaching moment and that day he had designed it he had that day he had designed or or the the moment of the day was emotional mastery 
<laughs> so man, here's here's an opportunity to master yeah. your emotions. And so they had he had people from all. He had one woman who was just incredibly angry. I just loved his example of her. He's, and he goes to her. He goes, "Are you angry all the time?" And she goes, "No, I'm not angry all the time." She goes, "Well, how often are you angry?" And she goes, "Almost every day." And he goes, "What does anger feel like?" And she goes, "It feels like jet fuel." Oh wow! I mean, what a, what an expression of that feels like jet fuel. And so he and he says. And he says, how, he says, you feel, do you feel validated and significant when you're angry? And she said, yes. And see, sometimes people can feel certain and validated and significant when they're angry. Yes. And all they have to do to feel validated, significant, and, and, and certain is to be angry. But it doesn't solve anything. Right. And so then, and then this woman gets up and she tells <laughs> an incredibly great story. It's just a, an incredibly moving story. I don't want to steal the, the thunder on this. But she talks about uh, her boyfriend uh, is in New York, and she's not aware. She don't know. She he, she got a message from him. She doesn't know if he's alive or dead. Oh boy! Okay? And the regrets that she had. And this Palestinian stands up, and he goes, "I would like to hold your hand, and tell you I'm sorry, but I can't because what happened today is retribution." for all the things I've felt in my life. And so now, you know, she's feeling so incredibly sad. She doesn't know if this guy, and then she has to deal with his anger. Yeah. And what Anthony Robbins did at Tony Robbins did at that point is he brought all of, he brought, and then this, this uh, Jewish man saw this and he starts to go across the floor to fight this Palestinian. So here we are. Oh my. And so then what Tony Robbins does is bring both of them up on stage and he uses neuro-linguistic programming to change their worldview that the gentleman who was a Palestinian and saying this is retribution actually changed his worldview so much that he actually wrote a book called My Jihad and how he now seeks peace all over the world because of how his worldview was changed on this day through neuro-linguistic programming. But my point on this and what we're talking about is understanding other people's point of view. understand their point of view. And what I want you to do, the reason I want you to listen to this as a coach is I want you to listen how Tony Robbins facilitated the meeting, how he did that that day. It was absolutely remarkable. He never absorbed any of the emotions from anyone. He truly went from a perspective of being a facilitator in an incredibly highly charged moment, and he never lost his emotion, and he wanted to understand people's point of view, but he wanted to get them to the inner peace that comes from our world and that is he wanted everybody to understand their point of view, but he also wanted them to understand their emotional home. And everybody has an emotional home, and that's a whole different thing, and I want you to listen to their podcast for it. But the key is he listened to everybody's point of view. He brought everyone together, and they walked out of there with a sense of peace and tranquility, even when there were people who wanted to physically fight that day. And that's the key of understanding people's point of view, and I just think it's an extraordinary way of doing that. And it's the... Tony Robbins podcast from October sixteenth, two thousand eighteen, and uh, and if it's you guys the, want to check it out, and it's the number one decision yeah. you can make in your life, and it's a great podcast. And and, and, and I know we're pausing here because we got more to, but right, folks, did you see how your coach Rory brought in another thing, and it wasn't all about I have to be the one that tells you this stuff. There's another resource for you, and oh, I think that's that's a model to use when you're coaching, folks. Don't worry about it being your idea. Any resources that's good to help you succeed and help your people reach their potential, bring it along. Absolutely. And 
And and Anthony Robbins is absolutely a master at a coach. Yeah. And what he does is he, he asks this people he asks people this question so often. What do you want? Mm-hmm. What do you want? What do you want? To really drill down to what do people want so they can actually true that you know come to their art of fulfillment in their life. And I just think that's such an incredibly powerful concept. Okay. Number two. Number two, a great coach expresses encouragement and optimism and validates the other person. The key here is, does the person walk away with a better feeling about themselves at the end of the coaching session than when they walked in? And going back to the CFO earlier, I asked her at the end of this coaching session we had today, you know, on a scale of one to 10, where's your confidence? And she said 10. And you could even see, you could hear her talk faster. She was more confident. She was more self-assured. She was ready to go. And that's where I want to leave people. I want them to feel charged up, ready to go, invigorated, pardon me, invigorated, charged up, ready to go and getting after it. And I just think that's such an important key. So you want them to feel validated, significant. You want them to feel better about themselves once the coaching session is done because that energy, that encouragement, uh, and that optimism allows them to face those difficult challenges they have to do so they can perform at the highest level. And you can you can compress that performance gap, the difference between performance and potential. They're performing at a certain level, but if you can if you can help encourage them, if you can help energize them, if you can help charge them up, then you can help them perform at their highest level. And as a coach, that's what you that's want to do. You want. want to you want to collapse that performance gap. That's right. And then and number one, big. It's better be big, right? It's got to be big. <laughs> Number one. Number one. A great coach asks for a commitment to solutions that are agreed upon. What are we going to do? Yes. What a you know, what simple ha- thing that a lot of people forget. You oh. go through the everything else and you forget to ask for their commitment. Right. What are we going to do with the rest of our lives? You know, Tan- Tony Robbins asked that gentleman that was Palestinian, how, how are you going to use what you learned today to transform not only your life, but other people's lives. And he wrote a book called My Jihad. So Tony Robbins basically closed the sale. What are you going to do to difference in your life? How are you going to transform your life? How are you going to transform other people's lives? You as a coach need to ask people, how can you help them transform their life? What are you going to do differently? Okay, we agreed upon this. What's your steps? And just going back to the CFO, she had her steps. She was charged up tomorrow. She's going to run her team meeting. And I'm looking forward to having a conversation with her. And we've already got the next session set up. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with her and say, how did it go? And what would you do differently? And how would you improve it? And is there anything that you learned or would do differently? And, and on a scale of 1 to 10, how many successful you were? And maybe she maybe she's a 7 that day. Mm-hmm. All right? What would you do to get to an 8? What would right. you do to get to a 9? Yeah. Uh, how would you handle this? And then maybe she became emotionally involved and somebody said something that was critical of her. Okay, do we absorb that? Or do we say, okay, how do we fix this? And that's the key. That's why the, the Anthony Robbins uh, podcast is so powerful because he just demonstrated he never, he became a facilitator. He remained a coach. He never absorbed the emotion. Even though he's an American, he loves America. He hated to see what happened that day, but his job was to bring everyone together, not just face that challenge. Excellent. The top 10 keys to be a great coach. Absolutely. David Letterman would be proud. <laughs> and I guess I'm the Paul Schaefer of this episode. <laughs> You're an excellent Paul Schaefer. I miss Paul Schaefer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where's Paul Schaefer today when we need him? Oh, who knows? Who knows what he's up to? So how can people get a hold of you if they want to know like 10 more? 
Absolutely. Ideas. And and if they want the free coaching evaluation, they can they can send off for that and just get a hold of us at RoyRoland.com. We've got our contact information there. They can call us or send us an email. Uh, also, we have CoachingManager.University. Uh, that is a, a program that we have that allows you to learn these additional coaching ideas all set up for us. And so I just love doing those tools and I love coaching folks. And it, And Paul, it was just a great opportunity to be here today. I just love getting together with you, my friend, and talking about coaching ideas. I hope everyone enjoys this podcast just even half as much as I, we enjoy doing it. <laughs> that would be great. That'd be great. Thank you, my friend. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.